would like to welcome you again uh, back to study number three on God's plan of salvation. This is actually part two uh, for those of you that have been following uh, with us. God now offers his salvation to us through faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved through faith. In Jesus, not through religion, not through works, not through good works, not through believing uh, in some mystic type of uh, thing, but only in the person of Jesus Christ himself, believing in what he did and who he is for us, is the only means of salvation. Belonging to a church, forming good things, is not sufficient or enough. It must be through our faith in Christ Jesus alone. To accept God's offer of salvation, there are four things that we must do. We must admit our sins openly and repent. We have to turn from our sins. We have to believe that Jesus died for each of us and rose again. Receive Jesus, the risen Christ, by faith in as our own personal Savior, and number four, confess Him as our Lord. Speak up, tell others about Jesus as our Lord, or that He is Lord. Once again, admit openly, number one, uh, your sins and repent, turn away from them. Number two, believe that Jesus died for each and every one of us and rose again from the, from the dead, from the grave. Number three, Receive the risen Savior, Christ, by faith, as your personal Savior in your life. And number four, publicly confess Him daily uh, with other people. Share your faith, share your belief in Christ Jesus. Here is what happens when we receive Jesus in this way, by believing in Him through faith. He comes to live forever in our hearts. He gives us eternal life. He gives us the power to lead a life of righteousness. He gives us victory over sin. All of this is accomplished through His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The study scripture for today is going to be in the book of John, in chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. And we're just going to be reading some of the scriptures on and off. I'd like to be able to compare some things and explain some things. We won't be able to go into detail into a lot of things, but I would just like to share with you. This is what the scripture says in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even unto them that believe in his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. Now, just starting off with these two verses here, there are so many things that we have to consider. Jesus came to his own people in verse 11 of John chapter 1, being the Jews, he came to his own nation, and his own people rejected him. They did not receive him as their savior. They didn't receive him. In fact, they did not accept him as Messiah or anything else. 
there were many things that were said about him by the Pharisees. But Jesus came for the purpose of first rescuing and presenting himself to his own people, the nation of Israel, the Jews of that day and time. But as many as received him, and that is the thing that we have to do today, we must receive him as Lord of our lives, we must receive him as Savior, we must receive him in the fashion and form in which he came and that he now is today. He came fashioned in the form of a man even though he was God. He died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead. Well, to those that believe in him in that fashion and in that manner, he has given them the privilege or the power or the authority or the right to become the sons of God. And to become a son of God means that we are being placed into the family of God. Not just by the mere understanding of being adopted uh, as we understand it here in the West, but to be placed as a son, meaning taking your role in the kingdom of God and receiving the inheritance with which you shall be ruling and reigning with Christ beginning now and forever. To become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we have to believe on that name that is above all names. It is the name by which and only through which all men can and will be saved when they believe that name, confess that name, when they believe in the person of Jesus himself. And then there's three outstanding things that we have to look at in verse 13. It says, which were born not of blood. That means your descendants, not of Abraham's blood or race or not of uh, any other type of race. It's not what nation or ethnos or group of people you were born into. That doesn't make you the selected group. And it's not by the will of the flesh. It's not just simply man desiring and man wanting uh, uh, physically uh, to have children, uh, to be born again, to, to come into this world. Uh, it does not work that way. It must be of the will of God. But here's the next section. It says, not born of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but the will of God or of God. These three things in themselves could actually take a good little while to just explain. But I just want to point them out. Number one. It is not what nationality or what group of people uh, that you belong to. Uh, it is not of the will of the flesh. That means that uh, it's not just you simply desiring, hey, I, I, I want to be uh, 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 an individual that wants to go to heaven, so I am going to follow certain rules, I'm going to follow uh, certain things, uh, I'm going to get circumcised, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to do all these good things. It's not of the will of flesh. 
nor is it of the will of man his desire to have a physical family here on this earth. It's none of these three things, and all of these three things themselves already exclude any possible means or way of entering into heaven. The only way is but of God, being born of God. Being born, like Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus, being born again. Not entering into the womb again to be born, but being born of the will of God, by the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. So we'd like to cover some of these things today, make it possible uh, in this study. So we are going to go as slow as possible, but yet at the same time cover as much as we can. How we may receive our salvation? When do we seek salvation? When do we look for it? Uh, what can be described as part of our salvation in our lives? Uh, how's it going to come about? Well, in the scripture, we have in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow does not belong to us. Our futures are not sealed, signed, and secure apart from God. Tomorrow may never come for a lot of people. So salvation in God begins with the now, with the present, not with the tomorrow, not with the yesterday, but with the now, with the today. So if today was a day that God spoke to your heart, this is the day that you would begin to seek. This is a day that you would begin to have the knowledge or have someone explain, someone share, someone preach, someone teach concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then this is the accepted time. To put it off is to put your life spiritually in jeopardy because you do not know if the next 30 seconds next 30 minutes or the next three hours or the next three days you will be around to have that opportunity again and the scripture goes on also to say in the book of proverbs in chapter 27 verse 1 boast not yourself of tomorrow for you do not know what the day may bring forth. Tomorrow is not ours. We live in the present. We live in the now. We don't live in the future. We live in the present. And right now is the day acceptable of salvation for our God to work in our lives. Can we save ourselves by our own good works? Is there anything of ourselves that we can do? Well, according to the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So by here we see in the scripture itself, as the apostle wrote, that there is no amount of works that we can do to accomplish this. We are not saved by our own good works and we are not saved by any or all our good efforts, but it is a work of God. By grace are you saved, 
through faith. Once again, we cannot eliminate faith out of the whole picture. Faith must be present, and God is the one that accomplishes this in our lives. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Faith is a gift that is given to an individual to be able to grasp the invisible and the things that are not reality to us in the natural are made possible and real through faith in God. And that faith is given as a gift. It's given as a measure to every individual that believes. And it takes away all boasting. It takes away from us every conceivable method and way of thinking that we somehow deserve an applause from God for having accomplished or done this thing in such a way that he receives us because of it. No way. God simply crosses that out of the picture and says it is not of works. No one can boast about it. It is something that Christ alone has accomplished for us. And it is our belief, our faith in Him and Him alone that makes it possible for us to be able to come to salvation. The book of Titus also mentions something concerning this in chapter 3 in verse 5. Not of works of righteousness which we have done. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. There is none that does right, and there is none that does good apart from Christ. Therefore, any works of righteousness as a means of accomplishing salvation is going to be rejected by God completely. But it is according to His mercy He has saved us. He chose to save us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And once again, as I mentioned earlier, there is so much to cover in so many of these verses, but we're doing a quick study uh, on, on this second part of, of salvation. So I'd like to continue to just move on. Can keeping the law in any shape, way, or form make us an individual that can be saved by God? Will that provide salvation for us? The scripture itself answers the question for us. In Romans 3.20, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified or be made righteous in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And remember, we're talking about the law for righteousness sake. We're not talking about lawlessness because lawlessness is sin. So there are laws that we have to keep and obey, but not for righteousness sake, but because they are laws that keep everything on this earth. This is a continuation of God's salvation on part number or message number three, uh, part two. So this will actually be part number four. laws that keep everything on this earth and on this planet regulated so that there is not lawlessness, chaos, things that are out of order. God is a God of order. He's a God of plan. Everything he does is and has a purpose. Therefore, there shall no individual be justified by the deeds of the law. Nobody. No flesh, no human being 
can be justified by trying to keep the law for righteousness sake if we desire god's mercy there are two things that we must do and we find this in the scripture in proverbs chapter 28 in verse 13 it says he that covereth his sin shall not prosper but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy so if we cover our sins not only will we not prosper but it says whosoever confesses and it gives a second part and forsakes them shall have mercy so if we continue in it then we have not forsaken it and if we make no confession of it jesus did say whoever confesses me before the father uh, before men, I will confess him before the Father. But if we deny him, then he will also deny us. And then secondly, we must forsake any and all shape and form of sin in our lives. And then we continue in the scripture in which it also says, if we confess our sins, there are two things that God will do for us. And this is in the book of 1 John in which the scripture talks about and reads, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And secondly, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, there's two things that God is gonna do for us. If we do not confess our sins, then we retain those sins. They are, they are retained in our lives and no forgiveness can be accomplished or done because we continue to hold on to them. But if we forsake that sin, if we confess that sin, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the scripture continues and it says this in the book of 1 John in chapter 1, in verse number seven this is the means that god is going to use to cleanse our hearts from all sins and that is the blood of his son jesus it says in first john chapter one verse seven but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, and the blood of Jesus, his son, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Not some sin, not partial sin, but all sin. But we must walk in the light. If we're not walking in the light, then the blood cannot cleanse us. We have to walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That is a wonderful thing to hear that he accomplishes. We can walk on a daily basis with our conscience and with our hearts completely free from condemnation from sin. And the moment that our hearts do condemn us, then God has already made provision. He's greater than our hearts, and the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to cleanse us each and every time. No matter how many times we miss the mark, no matter how many times we slip and fall, God is merciful, He is faithful, and He is just to cleanse us 
if we're willing to confess and forsake that sin. The scripture continues to show us if we desire to be saved, there are two things that we must do. And they both have to do with our heart and with our mouth. According to the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's look at that scripture again. If you shall confess with your mouth, your mouth, not somebody else's mouth, the Lord Jesus, meaning he is the, he is the ruler, he is the final authority, he is the absolute authority in your life, and shall believe in your heart with your innermost being, with the inner recesses of, 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 of the, the deepest part that is in you, that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And God explains why. Because with the heart a man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And this is also accomplished through and by the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes into our lives to accomplish this work. So we see once again the importance of confession, confessing Jesus as Lord, confessing our sins, forsaking it, and believing with our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead for righteousness' sake. If we come to Jesus, he will not reject us. In the book of John chapter 6, verse 37, the scripture says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. If you come to Jesus, you will never be cast away. If you continue, if you do not come to Jesus, you have cast yourself out. You have condemned yourself. You have not believed on the Son of God. You have not believed unto righteousness. Therefore, it is important to understand the important part that confession plays. God is faithful and just to forgive us. The scripture says in the book of Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, and open the door, I will come in to him, and sup with him, and he with me. Behold, Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. If we hear his voice, if we hear that, 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 that voice that is speaking to us, today is the day of salvation, today is the day that you need to repent, today is the day that you need to confess, today is the day that you need to come to him, then he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to forgive us, and through his blood just simply clean the slate. Because he did this for us, because he loves us, 
And because he loves us, he laid down his life for you and I. If our hearts are open to receive Jesus, the promise is that he will come into our lives. And we will be able to have that fellowship with him. And if we receive Jesus, he will also give us the ability, the power, the authority, the privilege to become sons of God. Not just children, but to become sons, taking our position with him in heavenly places now, ruling with Christ through prayer, ruling with Christ through his word, ruling with Christ accomplishing his will here on this earth for the prayer of Jesus was in this manner thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so you can see from here that he wants us to be partakers of that sonship with him first we're born into the family and when we're born into the family we're children but as we mature partaking of his word, reading it, studying it, meditating on it, confessing it, and continue being led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. We grow and we mature. We take our place, our position in sonship. And this is all because of the salvation that he has provided for us. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What a wonderful and powerful, powerful scripture. And once again, the scripture is very clear in this, that the experience is going to be not something as a result of our works, a result of, of our own will, but it is going to be a result of God himself. Born not of blood, not race, creed, color, language, nationality, what side of the tracks we were born on. It's not anything physical that we do in the flesh to try to please God. For in the flesh, no man can please God. In fact, the only way to please God is through faith. According to the book of Hebrews, without faith it is impossible to please God. And according to the book of Romans in chapter 14, anything that is not done of faith is sin. And then we were not born of the will of God, uh, the, the will of man. It's not man's own decision, his own desire to say, hey, I want to be born again. But it is of God. Being born of incorruptible seed, seed that cannot be corrupted, Seed that is planted through the word of God in our very hearts. And then that seed is nourished as we fellowship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. And continues to grow in us. And as we mature and develop, we become children of God. And then we turn into sons that are ready to take our rightful position. We're ready to distribute. We're ready to work. We're ready to accomplish what the inheritance that has been provided to us through his precious promises, being partakers of the divine nature. Then we get a chance and an opportunity to step into our destiny 
in Christ and step into the shoes that God has prepared for each and every one of us to walk in. And in that destiny and in that calling that he has made for us, we can find in Christ our position. It is a wonderful thing to know the salvation of the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to come into that salvation. And every one of us should have the opportunity to experience it. We must be born again. Each and every one of us. Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 3. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There is no exception. Everyone must be born again. If we have any plans of seeing or entering into the kingdom of God, being born of the word of God, being born of the spirit of God. And then the scripture goes on to tell us, if this is not accomplished in our lives, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a gift. You cannot earn a gift. The gift is something that is offered, something that is given. And that is what God offers us through Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of eternal life for as many as believe on Him, for as many as receive Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God doesn't want anybody to perish. That's why if this day you hear His voice, do not harden your heart, but listen, obey and hear what the Spirit of God is saying unto you. The scripture says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. What a wonderful thing. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of Jesus, the name of the Son of God. Do you believe on the name of the Son of God? Then have this as a guarantee that you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know. I'm not going to know when I die and go to heaven. I know now. You must also come to that place in your life where you know that you know that you know because you have believed on the name of the Son of God that you have eternal life already abiding in you. It is a quality of life. This will conclude this segment. The next segment, which is number five, study number three, God's plan of salvation, part number five will be coming right following this segment. It is a quality of life that affects you both here in this natural world now and affects you throughout the rest of eternity in heaven. And that is the very life of God in us. Accomplishing what Jesus came to do. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. His life provides abundance for us. It is a life that is aggressive. It doesn't sit idly by, but it actually positions itself to receive all the promises of God and fulfill and accomplish the calling and purpose that he has placed into your personal life. But none of this is ever of any, any use 
without first knowing him in and through the salvation that he has made possible for us. The record that God gives us about Jesus is that we must be part of that life. And this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. You're not going to find it at a store. You're not going to find it in a catalog. You're not going to find it going to some religious uh, experience. You're only going to find it in the person of Jesus himself, the son of the living God, who was crucified, who was buried, and who was resurrected from the dead. Only in him and in him alone can you find this. He that has the Son, Jesus Christ, it is he that has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. Did you hear that? If you have the Son, you have that life. If you don't have the Son of God, then you don't have that life. And these things are written unto us that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, and that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to hear. Salvation gives us the power to overcome the world, to overcome the devil, to overcome the flesh, to overcome sin, the things that before had us both bound and slaves, we are made free in Christ Jesus. And through the power of His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are made overcomers. The Scripture says this in, in simplicity. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I have a new life, but that life is being lived out through Christ in my physical mortal body. And it is by faith that this is accomplished. And he did it because he loved me and he gave himself for me. That is so wonderful. And then that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted, rooted and grounded in love. It is by faith that he begins it, and it is by faith that it continues, and it is by faith that it is grounded in our lives. And then we can say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Or I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Not some things, not a few things, but I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Can you say that today? That I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me? Do you believe what you're saying? Do you really believe that He will strengthen you to the point that you can accomplish and do what you could not do before? Instead of saying, I can't do that, well, I don't think I can do that. Well, I don't think that's possible to accomplish that. Or are you able to say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It is He working in you, both to will and to do and accomplish whatever it is that He wants to accomplish and do in our lives. Remember, 
openly confess Jesus before men. Testify. Tell them what he has done for you. Because when you do, then God is also going to be reminded, as Jesus said, Hey, these confessed me. I confess them before you. But if we deny him, there is a fearful look that awaits us for denying Christ in any way, shape, or form. And the scripture does say this in Matthew 10, 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father, which is in heaven. Oh, you do not want to hear those words that you have been denied before the Father because you were able to deny him here on this earth. And then what type of a person does it take to be able to overcome temptation? Well, according to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, the scripture says, Whatsoever is born of God. Remember when we first started? Not born of the will of man or the will of flesh, but of the will of God. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We have already been made victorious because we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. We walk trusting and believing and relying on the promises of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And who is he that overcomes the world? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I mean, do you believe that with your whole heart? Believe it. Lean on Him. He will never fail you. He is faithful and He is just and He will come true and through for you. The scripture says that everyone that is born of God overcomes the world. In the book of First uh, John, in chapter 4, verse 4, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Did you hear that? You have overcome them, everything that is of this world, and everyone that is of this world, and the devil that rules and walks this planet has also been overcome already by those that are born again and through faith have the victory on this earth and on this planet. Each and every one of us is included that have made Jesus our Lord, our Savior. We have trusted in his blood. We have believed in him and in him alone. And this is what the scripture says, the two things that make us overcomers. And once again, it's going to pop up in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. There it is, that blood that cleanses us from all sin. And by the word of their testimony, the confession of God's word in their life. Constantly confessing those promises, believing them, trusting that every promise is true and that God is faithful to what he has said. And they loved not their lives even unto death. Well, I sincerely pray that everyone will take it to heart. That if you've not been born again, that you will receive Jesus into your life. Confess him as your Lord. 
believe that God has raised him from the dead, make him the ruler, the absolute ruler, the final authority in your life and heart. All decisions will be based upon his word, and he will guide you and give you that right to become a son of the Most High God. Thank you for listening today. We will be back again with another episode. This has been episode number four on God's plan of salvation, part number two.